Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, conversationalists. It is Eric Erickson here. It is my show, and I'm delighted to be with you. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Oh, we're going back to a topic that I know you all love. <laughs> Seriously, uh, the, the amount of phone calls uh, with people who have strongly held views on electric vehicles, there's actually a relevant story today. You know, so Rivian, General Motors, Ford, it sounds like they're all moving towards the the Tesla charging connection because Tesla has this uh, charging uh, supercharger network around the country. So, for example, if you have a Tesla, you can drive pretty much coast to coast and stop at uh, Tesla charging stations, high-speed charging stations, and those high-speed charging stations can charge your car pretty rapidly. I mean, I'm just looking at the the map now. Uh, I've got it pulled up on on Tesla, and they've got uh, superchargers nationwide uh, that you can, um, let me just turn off the, all the other ones, but you, you've got a, a supercharging network nationwide with high-speed chargers. So you can go, for example, from Key West, Florida, and you can drive up uh, I-75, go cut across Kansas, Colorado, uh, you get all the way to California, get all the way to Washington State, stopping at Tesla superchargers. And those superchargers charge quickly. The problem is that they are of limited supply. You got a lot of people in Teslas. Well, you're going to be waiting a while. So I've mentioned this on the program a while back. Uh, my CFO for my company has a Tesla and needed to go to rural Kentucky for a funeral and wound up flying. He was going to drive. It was actually quicker in a uh, fossil fuel burning car. But because he has a Tesla, he wound up flying because the Tesla supercharger network was under some repair. And Tesla was telling him it would take him about an hour to fill up in Atlanta to to fuel up the car to go where he needed to go. And then we got out into the rural part of uh, Kentucky. There was nowhere for him to charge. Charging was a real issue. Now, all of that is to say there's a, a story today in Axios. The auto industry is beginning to crank out more electric vehicles to challenge Tesla, but there are not enough buyers. The supply and demand curve is off. Consumers are showing interest in electric vehicles, but they don't want to purchase one for a couple of reasons. One is price. The other is charging. So Cox Automotive Experts highlighted the swelling electric vehicle inventory during a recent mid-year industry review for journalists and industry stakeholders. EV sales, which account for about 6.5% of the U.S. auto market, are expected to surpass a million units for the first time in 2023. A Cox survey found 51% of consumers are considering a new or used EV, up from 38% in 2021. Tesla's rapid expansion plus new EVs from other brands are fueling the interest, but sales aren't keeping up with the output. 
The supply of EVs in stock has swelled nearly 350% this year. That's a 92-day supply or three months' worth of EVs, nearly twice the industry average. For comparison, dealers have a relatively low 54 days of gasoline-powered vehicles in inventory as they rebound. In normal times, there's a 70-day supply. Now, Cox's inventory doesn't include Tesla, which sells direct to consumers. But I got to tell you, I am finding just anecdotally more and more friends of mine who are willing to consider EVs but are still put off by the charging issues. Toyota, by the way, you should know, Toyota is coming out with a number of EVs uh, with hybrid technology that they can go several thousand miles without needing to charge. I got a buddy of mine uh, who's got one of their new Priuses, and he can he can ride drive uh, pretty far without having to charge up his EV. In fact, he says it, it costs him um, something like uh, $20, $30 to fill up his car and he can ride several thousand miles and the car flips as it needs to between electric and and gas. He says it's pretty impressive. But that's still an anomaly. And now there's more. New polling has come out. A majority of Americans, a clear majority of Americans, and you know how I feel about issue polling. It's not very accurate, but the question here is just, does Do you support the Biden administration pushing Americans into electric vehicles by the year 2030? Overwhelmingly, no. Americans do not want to be pushed into electric vehicles. They want to make the choice for themselves. And they resent like hell the Biden administration driving up the cost here. So overall, there's a problem. And this is a larger problem than electric vehicles. This is a problem with the entire environmentalist movement. I, I was looking at the New York Times yesterday. And the New York Times yesterday, the headline was, well, I, I mean, no, they've got an ex- they've got a section on their front page, and it's the second block down. So the first block is about Ukraine and the NATO meeting, and the second block, and this has been the second block since Saturday, is extreme weather. Here are the, the, the sections you can go to. The second major block on the front page of the New York Times website, extreme weather, Flash flood safety, staying cool in a heat wave, and then maps and forecasts. Here are the stories. Residents rescued as torrential rainfall deluges New, New England. Dangerous heat engulfs the western U.S. with more on the way. More than 61,000 people died from heat waves across Europe last summer, according to a new study. And then see the forecast for dangerous heat in the United States. Now, I don't know if you know this or not. You may be unaware of this because, you know, government schools these days, God knows what they teach. If you're young, you may not be aware of this. But for you older folks, I know you know this. Forgive me for being repetitious. Just just remember, we're, we're, I, we got people in the audience who grew up with a gender unicorn, not science. But there's this thing... And it's called the summer. I know. I, I look. I know. I just. I. I, I want to make sure we're all on the same page here. There's this thing called summer. It's a season, and it happens to coincide with it being hot outside. 
Now, the Earth happens to orbit this giant ball of radioactive plasma. We call it the sun. And during the summer season, the hemisphere, the, the Earth wobbles on an axis. The Earth is not straight up and down. It actually leans. And during the summer season, the summer season is the hemisphere, northern or southern, is the part that leans towards the sun. And right now, the northern hemisphere is in the summer, and the southern hemisphere is in the wintertime. Then in Antarctica right now, it's winter because the Earth is tilting the northern hemisphere towards the sun, which is why the northern hemisphere is hotter. Now, the reason that it's always warm generally around the equator is because that part of the Earth is always kind of the same distance from the sun. I, I, this, is, this is how the seasons work. The Earth wobbles. When it's winter in the northern hemisphere, the, the northern hemisphere leans away from the sun. Now, the reason the extremes work the way they are is because the Earth is not in an equidistant orbit around the sun at all times. And so when the, the northern hemisphere leans towards the sun, it's actually further away from the sun than when the southern hemisphere is leaning towards the sun. That's why more extreme temperatures in the southern hemisphere. When the Earth is closer to the sun is when the northern hemisphere has winter, which is why you don't have the, the Arctic is not nearly as extremely cold as the Antarctic. I, I let's look. I, I, this this is this is what's called science. No gender unicorns here, but there's this thing called summer, and in the summer it's hot, and the media is now increasingly funded with nonprofit environmentalist alarmists who are paid to generate alarm about the seasons. It is an orchestrated effort by the media. There is a reason the New York Times is keeping a section on the front page with extreme weather. There's always been extreme weather. And if you just go back eight years to the Obama administration, we were told that weather is not climate. Remember that? We were told Individual one-off weather events cannot be tied to climate. But now, because everyone's invested in climate change, if it rains outside, it's climate change. If it's dry outside, it's climate change. If it's cold outside, it's climate change. If it's hot outside, it's climate change. Everything's about climate change. Every extreme is about climate. Every norm is about climate. Everything is about climate because they're trying to brainwash you. They cover transgenderism and climate because it's all part of this population control uh, agenda of theirs. They want your children sterilized and they want you scared out of your wits that hell on earth is coming because of climate change. You might as well not have kids. And they're trying to force you into electric vehicles and you don't want to go. And when you think about it, I, I was reading a study this weekend about how polluting windmills actually are. The amount of oil, fossil fuel generated oil that must be used to lubricate the windmills. The fiberglass is actually hazardous for the environment and its manufacturing uh, and in its disposal and they only last a number of years. The environmental impact and the fossil or the carbon footprint of a windmill is actually greater than its offset and yet they're rushing us to do this. None of these things make sense. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the, the, the power turbines that they're putting in along the coast and out west, that the carbon footprint 
footprint to generate one of those is so big that putting it in never offsets the carbon footprint of manufacturing and disposal of it. But they don't care because it's not supposed to make sense. The rush to put you in an electric vehicle is not supposed to make sense. You're just supposed to do it. Stop asking questions. They don't like it that you ask questions. They want to censor you for having the audacity of asking questions when, frankly, there should be more questions asked because the Biden administration is rushing us into an environmentalist agenda that makes no sense. Nobody wants it. No one wants a battery-powered car because they actually want to be able to drive long distances with their family on road trips, particularly in the summer. And the Biden administration doesn't care. They just want to tell you what to do because at the end of the day, more than anything else, this is not about saving the planet. It's about controlling you. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Let me play you this Mike McCall, Congressman McCall, uh, talking about China, something we've talked about for a while now. Let's turn to China. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen uh, was just there trying to strike a balance between competition and cooperation with Beijing. She tried to confront China on trade, on manufacturing, on the climate crisis. Uh, were you satisfied with the Biden administration's message on this trip? You know, I think, I think just to get the meetings, they made a lot of concessions on sanctions and export controls. Uh, I, I would like this to be, it is a great power competition. I think she was willing to say we're not in a conflict or in a competition. This is just, you know, we're just trading partners. I think that's a little bit devoid of reality. I think it's good to have diplomacy. I think it's good to have discussions uh, moving forward. But what has China done? Their response is export controls on rare earth minerals. Uh, as a result of this meeting, they're going to cut uh, exports of rare earth minerals to the United States in what would be considered a trade action or a trade embargo. Uh, and this highlights the bigger great power competition we have with China. First, semiconductors that I took on with the CHIPS Act. Now we got the rare earth minerals. Globally, China controls about 80-85% of those critical minerals. We have to compete with them in every continent, including Africa, South America, Indo-Pacific, uh, and we're not doing adequately uh, so far. Y'all, he's right, and we're not. There was a story the other day about China now curtailing access to rare earth minerals for microchips and even EVs. China has been going around the world buying up mines, uh, giving loans to countries that they can't pay back so that they then get access to their mines and, and rare earth minerals. This is a real problem that the Biden administration has refused to tackle, and the environmentalists have made it impossible for us to be able to tap our own minerals. We actually have a, a great resource of minerals underneath our soil. And environmentalists, through regulation, are making it impossible for us to access them. That's kind of absurd. But the Biden administration continues to bend over backwards to placate the environmentalists and the environmental lobbyists. If we're going to compete with China, we've got to compete with China. The, the thing that I just continue to be deeply nervous about is our supply chain and logistic problems with weapons. We've been hearing about this now since the start of the Ukraine war. It should be a wake-up call for us that we're running out of the ability to manufacture arms for ourselves, let alone the Ukrainians. 
that's a serious national security issue, and the administration is not tackling it. They are letting the environmentalists set the agenda. And the environmentalists, you know, I, I just I go back to the Soviet Union. The Soviets funded a lot of environmentalist organizations back in the 80s to agitate against uh, Western manufacturing and the like. And I just am convinced the Chinese are doing the same thing now. It wouldn't surprise me. To our detriment, this is not good. Something's got to give. They're not doing anything to fix it. This is just not good. All right, we got to move on. Uh, I wrote a piece this weekend. It became a little controversial about Ron DeSantis and his campaign. I'll get there. But first, I want to tell you about Vision Computers. If you have a business, let, let me just deal with you as a business owner because they do it for your home as well. But you should call them at 404-COMPUTE. Vision Computers, instead of you going to a big box store and just buying a computer off the shelf, Vision can build you the computer that you actually need and want that's upgradable for you, your assistant, everybody in your company. And then they can be your service point. So you don't have to hire an IT guy for your office. You let Vision be the IT guy. So your assistant or the guy down the hall from you can call Vision on their number and say, look, my email's not working. Can you help me? And they can remote in and fix it. Or my printer's not working. What do I do? And they don't have to bother you with it. You don't have to hire an IT guy on the payroll. Vision takes care of it. If you've got a company right now, if you've got a business and you need Vision and you didn't get your computer from them, you can pay them a low annual fee and they'll become your IT guy. They'll be your tech support. And they actually answer the phone. You don't go through the the the, the waiting of press one, plus three, plus five, no hablas, espanol, all that. You, just Vision answers the phone. They fix the computers, and they can give you great deals on fi- building computers. 404 Compute's the number. Ask them about the Eric Erickson special. 404 Compute, anywhere nationwide. Hi there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. <laughs> I started to say howdy, and it just kind of got stuck in the eye. Uh, the phone number, 877-973-7425. So I became the news this weekend. Uh, you know, I I occasionally forget that whether you do or don't do, uh, a lot of people pay attention to the things I say and tweet. And on Saturday morning, I tweeted this. I'm on a number of group chats, email lists, etc., and all of them are dealing with ongoing threads of frustration about the DeSantis campaign. The perception is settling in that something needs to happen, but everyone has a different opinion on what to do. Well, that kind of became the story over the weekend. There have been a number of news stories now from different news outlets about that tweet. And I put up this morning what I meant by it and my thoughts on the DeSantis campaign. If you want to read them, if you text data to 33777, I've got a very lengthy post up related to this tweet. What do I mean? What are the problems? What are people saying? And I I wanna spend some time with you now, but if you really want the in-depth stuff, text data to 33777, uh, sign up for the email and you can go see it for yourself. Let me give you my point of view on this. When Joe Biden ran for president of the United States in 2020, his campaign message was better days ahead. There are better days ahead. And he tied that into everything. 
And in tying it into everything, he made the case that I'm the only Democrat who can beat Donald Trump and I will return us to normalcy. Now, forget everything that came later, his refusal to, his handing over the campaign to the progressives and what, but that was his campaign message. There are better days ahead for us. I can beat Trump and return us to normal. When George W. Bush ran for president of the United States, his message was help is on the way. And he translated that to the economy, to the military, to families, to education. Help is on the way. It was one of the most, George W. Bush was not a man known for staying on message, and his campaign forced him to stay on that message. Help is on the way. When Donald Trump ran for president, what is he known for? Make America great again. I don't know that I know what Ron DeSantis' message is. I don't know that there's an overarching comprehensive message for his campaign. And to put it bluntly, as I wrote in my piece this morning, people in Iowa and Ohio and New Hampshire and South Carolina, you name it, they don't care about Florida if Ron DeSantis' message is make America Florida, that's not a winning message. They don't care about Florida. They're in Ohio by choice at this point. They could have moved. They didn't. Ohio does not care about Florida, does not want to be Florida, and is tired of hearing Ron DeSantis talk about Florida. They need a message. What is Ron DeSantis' message? What does it mean, make America great again? For Donald Trump, it means I, I, I take on the big guy for the little guy. I am of the elite fighting the elite for the little guy, and everybody knows it. He's a class warrior for the poor and the middle class in rural America. Whether he actually is effective or good at it, doesn't matter. People know that. For DeSantis, what is his message? That's the problem. But he's been in the campaign for less than two full months. He and his Super PAC combined have over $150 million. He has literally on his own, excluding his Super PAC, DeSantis has raised more money on a daily basis than Donald Trump and his super PAC combined. DeSantis alone is on a daily basis out raising Trump and his super PAC combined. The Iowa caucuses are January 15, 2024. He's got time. There's a debate coming the week after our gathering. He'll be with me at my gathering, then go to Milwaukee for that first debate. There's time for DeSantis to actually come up with his comprehensive vision of America. And I am told by his campaign that a pivot is coming. They're going to stop talking about his record in Florida and the Wokes and go to the pocketbook issues the middle class cares about, and he needs to. Now, I will tell you, uh, there are a lot of people, and they want to throw Jeff Rowe overboard. You don't know Jeff Rowe. Uh, Jeff Rowe is the general consultant for the Super PAC. He's got a, people embedded within the campaign on that side, and people. Jeff Rowe is a consultant who's made a lot of enemies. He's won and lost a number of races. He's won a lot of races. He ran Ted Cruz's presidential campaign in 2016. And a lot of people, oh, you got to get rid of Jeff Rowe. Number one, you got to get rid of Jeff Rowe. I, I, I don't know that that's the problem. What I know is that when campaigns get frustrated and the, the people around campaigns get frustrated, they immediately say, get rid of the consultant. 
I, I think you've got to get a message before you get rid of the consultant. And I, I, I say this as someone who is intrigued by the DeSantis candidacy, but I don't know what his comprehensive overarching message is. And if Roe is at the super PAC, he can't design the message. The campaign's got to design the message. If the campaign doesn't design the message and come up with a comprehensive message that can be woven into the cultural and the economic issues, well, that's on the campaign. That's not on the consultant for the super PAC. So I think the campaign has things it needs to do, and I think the campaign has things that it is doing, and I think the campaign has time to do all the other stuff, but they got to do it. The one thing I I would say, though, is I, I do think the DeSantis campaign, more than the other campaigns, runs the risk of being too on Twitter. It is in a lot of Twitter fights, makes a lot of headway on Twitter, That's where the journalists are, but Twitter's not where most conservatives are online, and you got to win people offline anyway. Uh, They should probably do more Facebook, more YouTube, but they got to win people offline, not on Twitter. Kamala Harris lost her campaign, never made it to Iowa because she was so interested in winning the daily Twitter fight that she forgot that the real world isn't Twitter, and I don't want the DeSantis team to make that risk. There is something else, though. I was talking to one of his big donors. And there's a lot of wisdom in this, I think. The donor was saying that uh, he thinks DeSantis is the only guy who can beat Trump. Trump cannot beat Biden in this guy's mind. Therefore, DeSantis must beat Trump because DeSantis can beat Biden. That's his thinking on why he's a DeSantis supporter and a big donor, big donor to DeSantis. But he makes a point every day that DeSantis is not perceived as getting momentum on his side is a day that someone somewhere is going to conclude Trump is inevitable and will act accordingly with their time, with their money, with their endorsements, with their willingness to plug in or tune out. So there's got to be some momentum shift towards DeSantis. And he's had several weeks where it seems like the momentum has shifted away from him. And he's got to get it back. Now, the one thing that I do know is that everybody's got an opinion Everybody has an idea of what Ron DeSantis should or should not do. Uh, the people who love him say, we'll get rid of the consultant, shake up the team, campaign shake up, all that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still just find it notable that I know for Donald Trump, it's make America great again. I know that for Joe Biden, it was better days are ahead. What is the DeSantis message? The message that ties to everything. Um, Let's see, Ron DeSantis. Can I go to his website and find this? Um, Ron DeSantis. Well, that's the governor. This is rondesantis.com. Hello, I'm Ron DeSantis because I want to lead our great American comeback. Okay, your great American comeback. So if you're leading the great American comeback, what's the great American comeback look like? What's it look like? It's got to be pocketbook issues, economic issues, cultural issues. We know you fight the wokes. We know your Florida record. So what's it look like beyond that? You got to connect with those voters with a message that sells. And I think he can. 
But I also think, you know, he's not in a vacuum. I, I will say this to his credit. We're not out there. Nobody's wringing their hands. Over, oh, my gosh, Tim Scott, he's failed to get lightning in a bottle. Where's his traction? Where's his momentum? What's his path to victory? Nikki Haley, what's her path to victory? What can she do? Oh, my gosh, Nikki Haley. Oh, my. Nobody's doing that about any of the other candidates. It's all about Ron DeSantis. So it is about Ron DeSantis. He's polling in double digits. He's raising more money on a daily basis than Trump. He's got to hone his message and get out there, but he's got time. I was talking to a consultant earlier. He said, we're in the second inning of the ball game. He's got time. But the frustrations are mounting by people, and I do think the frustrations have everything to do with the perception of momentum. Got to have momentum in his direction. If he doesn't have momentum in his direction, uh, that is, I think his donor that I talked to is right. That is a day where people decide Trump is inevitable. And I do tend to, I actually think Trump can win. I'm in the camp that thinks 2020 is starting to be more like 2016. You've got uh, people who don't feel like they're benefiting from the economy. Biden is now perceived as even more liberal than he was when he got there. He promised to return things to normal, and he's not. Uh, you got like seven counties in the nation of, of working-class, middle-class voters who will make or shake this election, and Biden's economy is falling flat there. Trump could win this thing. He could lose the popular vote and win the Electoral College. Again, he could win this. I do think it is uh, more difficult for him than the other candidates. I do think it is easier for any of the other candidates to win. And that frees up money to take the Senate, frees up money to keep the House. But I don't think he's he's uh, a sure loss. Just think it's harder for him. But if he's the nominee and the other guys couldn't beat him, well, then it's harder for them, isn't it? It's one thing to say I think that Trump's going to have a harder time beating Biden, but it becomes a hypothetical for the other candidates if they can't beat Trump. And none of them seem to have figured out a way to get around Trump. He's the the elephant in the room, and they can't figure out how to get around him. And that's on them. That's on them, all of them. For DeSantis, though, get your message out there. Stop talking about Florida. Don't shake up the campaign team. Leave Jeff Rowe alone. Get your message honed. Get out there on the campaign trail. Be seen and engage. If you can do that, you can win. Because at the end of the day, even a sizable number of Trump supporters do understand, though emotionally attached to Donald Trump, that the left is doing everything they can to stop him from crossing the finish line. And Trump couldn't stop Joe Biden from getting elected. How's he going to stop him from getting reelected? Maybe someone else needs to try. And DeSantis has a message to sell on that point. If he gets out there and does it, I just wouldn't panic at this point if I was on Team DeSantis. You're literally seven weeks into being a declared candidate for president, and you're raising money hand over fist. Just get out there on the campaign trail. See and be seen and have a compelling message. Now, let me tell you all about Patriot Mobile, which is out there helping conservatives around the country and also conservative causes, the First Amendment, Second Amendment, the pro-life cause. First, uh, Patriot Mobile wants you to move your cell phone service to them. That's actually what they are as a cell phone company. You move your service to them. In exchange, they give you guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers you're probably already using. So you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric today. You can take your existing phone number that you have right now and move it to Patriot Mobile or get a brand new one from them. 
You can get an unlocked new cell phone from them, or if you got an unlocked phone already, use that cell phone, your iPhone, whatever you have. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972Patriot. If you call them at 972Patriot, tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. And whether you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or call them at 972Patriot, you get great discounts. Uh, If you're a veteran, a first responder, an NRA member, you get a lot of great discounts. They can save you some money and give you great service. And then they take a portion of their profits and fund the causes and candidates you care about. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. To the phones we go. Tim, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hello. Did you say Tim? Uh, I said Tim. Welcome. Yes. Hi. I just had a quick question. Earlier you were talking about school choice. It was an hour or more ago, so I'm, I apologize if I'm off right. now. But um, my worry about that, and I do agree with school choice, but if it might turn out to be just like the HOPE scholarship, when we got the HOPE scholarship, immediately the colleges started jacking up prices and gouging their customers, the students, and it just made school tuition go way up. I wonder if it would have the same effect with primary education. It would just jack those prices out of sight. Well, you know, there's if not done right, uh, yes. Uh, the difference, however, is you still have a supply-demand issue that's different uh, when it comes to a school choice option than, say, from a subsidized student loan option. Um, the The money is limited, and the money that comes in for families for those sorts of scholarships doesn't actually cover the full cost of the private education that their kids would want. So uh, you you run the risk of uh, pricing themselves out of the market so they can't get into schools and schools can't get that money. Because um, if you get, so let's just say 10000 in your private school that you want to go to is $15,000, you're still out of pocket $5,000 if you get the ten. Um, if they now raise uh, their tuition to $20,000, well, now you're out $10,000. You got 10000 but you got to get $10,000 more instead of $5,000 more. So the schools themselves run the risk of economically pricing themselves out of the market. Um, unlike a federal student loan program where the, the rate of tuition goes up. And by the way, Hope Scholarship, I don't think there's a lot of data out there that shows that it is to blame for an increase in tuition uh, in Georgia and elsewhere, the, those state-funded scholarships. It's actually the student loan market that has priced people out of student loans because you can get the money for so cheap so schools can keep raising their um, raising their rates and you get money for cheap from student loans and you don't feel the price until after you've graduated from college. So that's why you've had this outrageous tuition increase in so many private colleges. Um, it would work differently, I think, with those sorts of scholarships just because you're not getting a full ride Anyway, uh, if that makes sense. Okay, the phone number here, 877-973-7425. Those of you on the lines, be patient with me. I've only got about 30 seconds here, and I do want to take your phone calls. I also want to tell you about the Democrats starting to drop a little more oppo on Joe Biden. It definitely is starting to seem like a movement is building on the left to try to get Joe Biden to stick to one term. They are deeply concerned about the polling showing Americans are concerned about his age and really don't like Kamala Harris, and they are scared to death of Donald Trump. And frankly, as I mentioned on Friday, Trump is now ahead of Biden in the Real Clear Politics polling average. That has not gotten a lot of major media press, but it's true. 
And I think there's some panic setting in among Democrats over it.